0: He played Dracula opposite Laurence Olivier. He played Skeletor. Oh yeah, he was nominated for an Oscar in 2009 for playing Nixon. Oh yeah, but more importantly,
1: he was in Deep Space Nine. Oh yeah, it's time for the Rules of Acquisition.
2: Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition. A podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. If you're just joining us, because sure, why aren't you? You could just be joining us.
0: We can drop in on the second season.
2: Yeah, of our second season discussion of the greatest TV show in any existing universe <laughs> star trek deep space nine yeah today we're talking about the first episode of season two called the homecoming the homecoming yes yes we're we're setting up a lot of stuff with this one right oh we are yeah, yeah.
0: no yeah this is uh it's a good change of pace i mean this is a, yeah. right off the bat i ain't wasting no yeah, time. yeah do we
2: have the description oh or i like? was waiting for you to introduce us. oh i'm sorry oh i'm a jerk I just assumed everybody knows who we are. That's all right. (laughs) Um, As always, my name is Wade Bowen. With me is James Nolan. Hey, guys.
1: And also Hugh Crawford. Here I am, and I've got the description. (laughs) This episode is called Homecoming, or The Homecoming, rather. It aired on September twenty-sixth, 1993, and IMDb description is as follows. Word that I previously thought dead Bajoran resistance legend is still alive since Kira and Chief O'Brien took Cardassia 4 to rescue him. Meanwhile, the Circle, a sect of Bajoran provisional government that is intent on wiping out alien influence, is sneaking into power. Wow. How relevant is that today? We've got yeah. we've got some yeah. folks that who are Bajorans for Bajor. <laughs> right,
2: I was going to say, make, make, Bajor, great again. make Bajor great again.
1: Yes, they're trying to build a space wall to get rid of all aliens <laughs> yeah so this is a pretty good episode right guys and uh, it's a good way to start season two.
0: Oh yeah yeah no i i thought this was a pretty great episode
2: yeah
1: i did too like the first
2: time i watched it i was like nah and then i watched it a couple more times like wait a minute no this this is actually this is pretty good it's setting up a lot of major themes that you get over and over again throughout this whole series and we're you know we've complained a lot about okay They've been doing Star Trek episodes. They need to do DS9 episodes. And they're like, all right, we're, we're going to go full DS9 mm. version of Star Trek where we're here on this stationary place talking about this particular planet, Bajor, and its political difficulties
1: with the Cardassians. And that's all this is, really. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, no. That's, this is- that's, it, that's all it is with a sprinkle of how xenophobia can hurt Jake's love life. Yeah. Right. But even that's tied into. <laughs>
0: I actually wrote that because of the edict of how the 24th century works, it's hard to sort of deal. Like, usually on most shows, when you have black families, obviously, uh, you know, American racism is going to come up in that storyline, yes. but it really can't in a Star Trek episode. So it's nice that you have this Black family at the centerpiece of dealing with these sort of issues so that, like, I don't know, I thought that was a nice touch that he's experiencing some form of racism or speciesism.
2: Yeah, that is that is a good touch because, you know, effectively, them being, you know, I didn't even think of it like that because them being Black means nothing. They're just humans of Starfleet because yeah exactly
0: in the show in their in their world it doesn't carry any weight yeah because luckily
2: people got over that <laughs> shit <laughs> like in uh, several centuries they're like what oh that somebody would be mad because you're a slightly darker you know of you know they'll they'll understand if you hate for right. yeah now, exactly they're not they're, they're not opposed to a little bit of speciesism mm-hmm. but as far as race you know and
0: I will tease that this show does use uh, American racism as a metaphor much later on in the series to a great. Great effect in season six, but still here, it's nice to get little touches of that. Yeah,
1: it was so funny because Jake's little scene where he, he is bummed out because his date canceled on him because somehow her father's been influenced by the make page or her great again people. <laughs> it takes place right after the same people have branded quark on the forehead. Yes. <laughs> and there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, they drew a dick on his head. Yeah. and There's <laughs> a lot more sympathy for Jake and his broken date than quark being branded on the face.
2: Getting actually accosted, yes. Right, right, yeah. But let's go back to the beginning and just work through this, because I got... Okay, I, sure.
0: While we're on the brand, in the new Batman vs. Superman movie, Batman brands his victims in that movie, so <laughs> I
2: think... Oh, yeah, well, people have already seen that movie by the time they're listening to this. Exactly, that's sure. true. But he brands his victims, with, so much like The Circle. Luckily, you just avoided it altogether, and and didn't give Zack Snyder any money, but yeah. Yes. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. So yeah, the beginning, there's so much packed into this. They spend time go through the trouble of like okay we're gonna have the act breaks and stuff but then they have like oh but then we have the you know two minute pre-credits scene mm-hmm. with quark where we set things into motion yeah
0: which is kind of a strange scene
2: yeah yeah i thought it's a, a
0: subway yeah, freighter there was, well it was the strange scene before where it was it deals with quark turning in a crooked freighter
2: or something yeah a subite freighter and It
0: turns him into odo and it led to arrest and odo was trying to figure out why would he do this and like it never really it seems like that was a loaded scene I liked it. Yeah, well that could
2: have been like an episode. Yeah, well, it's because of the seventy-sixth the seventy-sixth rule of acquisition. <laughs> yeah well, they're just trying to this is the beginning of mm-hmm. the second season. They're resetting. Okay, let's reset after the first season and just establish all the characters' relationships to each other.
0: Yeah, that's that is true. Yeah.
2: Okay, we know Quark and Odo are at odd, so we come in and then we show that Odo is like, What? And then and then it just shows the devious nature of Quark where he's like Yeah, I know how to screw with people. And even Nog is like, I don't understand, Quark, why would you do that? (laughs) And Quark is, you know, like, oh, it's easy. It's because it's the 76th rule of acquisition is every now and then declare peace because it confuses the hell out of your enemies. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) You know what? To keep your people off your toes, i buy that he would just try to do that just to throw a... Wrench in the <laughs>
0: no, like. it was the kind of thing I like where it was like two people are talking about something that could have been a whole episode, but it's not, you know, so it, it makes the world seem more textured and yeah, yeah, and like that they're not just there to put on a little stage play for us,
2: right? Yeah, because if they'd made that a whole episode, it would have been like they would have had all this tension with <laughs> yes. the subite freighter, and then it would have been like. Ain't I a rascal <laughs> wink? Credits. <laughs> you know, when he was like, I did it to be nice. Like, what? Okay, thank God they just did it in the five minute open pre credit sequence. Yeah, just
0: talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I found that the the purple freighter who gives him the Lee Malice's earring I found her oddly attractive for a, a, a weird face. Thing. I think she was supposed to be. Yeah. I think she's a multiple she she is a reoccurring character. She's on multiple
2: episodes coming forth. Right. She was clearly meant to be a sexy alien because yeah. they gave her a sleek head thing. But they
0: mess with her face. Usually they don't face her. Usually when they want someone to be sexy they don't do much with the face. But they did with her but it was, it was okay.
2: Right. Well they gave her a Klingon brow ridge but instead of of like an ugly clean on it's very smooth and just has an
1: arrow pointing down you know like a party down here are we talking about the woman with the fuchsia hair yes yes okay yeah she looked like she was wearing the the kind of plastic garbage bags were made out of too yes <laughs> yeah Yes. Yeah, she did she had a very yeah there's out,
2: some weird 90s person in the vintage i don't know there's probably weird pornos with those kind of mm-hmm. i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> Uh, and then uh, we
0: have a scene where, well, I guess that just the, like that, it's got this, she gives Quark this strange earring, which then he takes to Kira while she's in the middle of praying, which is
2: the first time you see it. Uh, yeah, well, a, when but, it sh- first shows her, it looks like she's doing the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> she's got one hand up. Yeah. yeah. And then the camera pans pe- back, and then she's putting up, hands up, don't shoot.
0: That's exactly so, what I thought, because I'm from St. Louis, so that was like, <laughs> the first thing I was like, she's protesting.
2: <laughs> like, we do that all the time around yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> at first it was like, oh, she's al- the flag oh no she's not
1: <laughs> that's what's so weird about the Star Trek universe though anytime you ring somebody's doorbell you're you're supposed to like let them in no matter who they are that's
0: I what guess. it is but she ends up being awfully rude to like get him out but I was like you didn't have to fucking let him in did you right
2: well and then she storms out and just leaves him in her apartment yeah. <laughs> that whole scene could have been reworked a little bit better she's had she's changed out of her unflattering outfit from progress oh yeah yeah
0: she was wearing the lacy topped Bajoran
2: outfit and then she conveniently Goes into her bedroom conveniently to put the jacket back on because. It's a whole costume change, I'm pretty sure, to do that. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> you never see her take that jacket off and have the other thing underneath it because I don't think it's possible.
0: Yeah, I think Yeah, I think you're right there. So you don't know. Obviously, the, the earring had some sort of effect on her. And she runs to... Uh... Yeah, she
2: leaves court to go through her, her underwear drawer, so it must be something... <laughs> something.
0: be important. Yeah, so she runs to Sisko, uh, <laughs> yeah. who's uh, having a conversation with his son about Cardinal's great Bob Gibson.
2: Which... <laughs> oh, yeah. They can throw in an actual player instead of uh, Buck Bakai. Yes.
0: I always like it when Bob Gibson... Gibson gets mentioned on TV.
2: Yeah, yeah. So
0: anyway, uh, like they're talking about girls and it's I really like that scene. So I just like that whole scene between uh, Cisco and his son and even Jake has a funny line. I could see you're not ready to have this conversation. Yeah, that was some good stuff. Yeah. Cisco's being cute and quirky. And
2: yeah, I like that they're not he's not sexist. It's not like he has a daughter and he's like, oh, my God, you can't go to the hollow suite. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, oh, I could take her to the hollow suite. And he's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I like that. He
1: clearly knows what goes on in the hollow suite. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and then right, he goes, "Well, yeah, can yeah. I just take him to our
0: to our room?" And he's like, "He goes, no." And my first thought was, "No, I hang around in my underwear there, you know, because <laughs> you're dead. <laughs> you're not fucking my night of two, right?" <laughs> so he has really boring ideas for dates. It was a great little scene, nice. and the whole time Kira is there, like an annoying child trying to get <laughs> Cisco's attention, and the whole time I'm just like. Can you not see this is like an a, I know this is probably not as important as the earring, but can you not see that this is like a, a pivotal, formative conversation with his child? And- well,
1: and that's what the scene she asks to borrow the car. So he's like essentially being space dad <laughs> to everybody <laughs> yes,
2: for right. the first half of this. Yeah, she's got a planet to save. Right. But yeah, she needs to ask dad for the keys. Right. Yeah. And then all the rest of the kids are gossiping
1: behind her dad's back. Now, I, I wanted to ask you guys real quick. Uh, when the question of does he allow her to have the roundabout comes up, do you think that Cisco he was going to give her the round, he knew he was going to give it to her, he just needed to think about how he was going to make it work with Starfleet? Or do you think he actually had to mull over the, because he needs. I think he wanted
0: to say yes, but I think he has like, I gotta think through, there's a lot of like, I could get fired, we can start a war, you know, like I gotta like. I gotta think about it, right? And just sort of step away and chew on it. I think he wanted to say yes. I don't think he knew he was going to say yes. Okay,
1: right. That's kind of what I was. Wa- that's what I was wondering too. Yeah. I had the feeling that he he just needed to figure out a way to make it fit, mm. to make it work, you know. And then later he has that story. He tells O'Brien, "Well, if Quark wants to know where she's going." She's going to go on some sort of yeah. mining next And he sticks O'Brien on there. He's more comfortable with
0: the Federation guy
1: there. Right. Oh, he shows up in his Adidas jumpsuit. <laughs> no, I, was, yeah.
0: I have things about, when we get to that section, I have things about, like, all about their, their outfits that I don't understand.
2: Right. But first he has to order a Recticino with a Jatorian peel, which is the only Ciscoism we get in this whole thing, I feel like, where he does the. Pitch rays, but whatever.
1: Oh yeah, he does. (laughs) He has those little flourishes. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that, and I know Wade hates it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's fine. I think it's not the most naturalistic acting, but that's not what Avery Brooks does. No, I think that I got what it is. (laughs) What he's
0: trying to convey is that he's trying to convey in a lot of these different moments that cisco has a childlike spirit later on when he's talking to goldicott and goldicott <laughs> delivers like sort of a message that is uh, not what anybody was expecting that d- he found the whole thing so compelling and interesting that he couldn't help but be kind of giddy about it like a child mm-hmm. and so you see a look on his face like he's just grinning and smiling at how while strange what goldicott has to say back to him and that's in the later scene but there's it's a way that I think he's trying to convey that Cisco approaches these sort of these complicated minutiae of, of this political interplay with like a sort of a giddiness that he just kind of enjoys. It gives him another dimension. I think you're right. It does. It, yeah. I mean. It, More than what's on the page. It's a way to make him seem engaged in a different way than Picard or Shatner. Right.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, it's good. I've I've come. You to, come to have you know, a,
0: a begrudging appreciation. Yeah,
2: because I mean, he plays everything as very. Um, I don't know. He has a way of do- it's very stagey, kind of like I'm 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 being. I think I'm doing Shakespeare, yeah. so I'm talking in a kind of more eloquent manner. He is an enunciator, <laughs> but you know what? It, it actually it works fine for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What were you going to say about there was a nice scene? I think you were going to say with
1: Dax. Yeah, we actually get to see her be used as a character mm-hmm. for just five minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. She facilitates facilitated a need quite nicely. Cisco wasn't sure what to do, and so he was gonna go to need to go to somebody. And of course, Dax was really no help, but still it was nice that she got to seat. Yeah, yeah. And well,
0: she and she came with a point of view
1: that he wasn't, a, and she had a
0: bias that he wasn't anticipating her having. Right, right, right. I do like that they're at a point in their conversation, in their relationship with Jadzia and Cisco, that she can tell him that she doesn't want to talk about baseball anymore. I,
2: th- I felt like that yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. I like that too. It's like, oh, Curzon didn't even like it as much as yeah, he pretended but to. But I really I think, hate okay. it. So Yeah, they used her better. You know, they set her up, they tried to set her up last season as this wise old man, and she just wasn't able to pull. It off, but then this time, you know, this is the relationship they wanted to set up for her. Yeah, where he's an old friend of Dax's, and he relies on her advice. And here he does, and she gives good advice, and it's not totally weird and awfully (laughs) delivered, like.
1: You know, things may have been in the past. And yeah. So, you know, it works. So, it's OK, it's like good job. Yeah, I think we're clicking r- right along with a lot of improvements. Right yeah. Off the yeah. Bat in like the first 10 minutes. It's a there's a marked improvement in this in this episode. Yeah. With the tone of what it's like on the station with this particular like this crew works in shades of gray as a unit, mm-hmm. you know, they do a very poor job of keeping secrets from each other, which is it's nice to see some sort of commentary on how they work as a team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Teams, teams aren't. That's one of the good things about good working teams is that they're not very military.
1: Well, I guess what we're just saying is that it showed a, a different side of the crew that we had that we should probably should have seen. And they probably should have showed us this, this in the first, you know, three or four episodes of season one. It's almost like a do over. Yeah, they would
2: have liked to have been able to do that. You know, they were still figuring it out. I, I guess I'll cut them some slack. I'm glad that they had the opportunity to take the time to do it because, you know, they have <laughs> to figure out the characters. Right.
0: I mean, it's it is like a, a do over where you don't have to do the plot points over again. But all of the stuff that wasn't working, the character interactions, all of that stuff, even to the point where, like, I mean, you get the the guest actors are high level in this episode. Frank Langella and... Oh, my God. Oh, yeah.
2: Frank Langella. Yeah. Frank
0: Langella and Richard Breyer are oh, sh- huge actor. Bramer, I think. He was the lead in West, West Side Story. <laughs> oh, yeah. You get, like, huge actors that are doing these sort of supporting parts that are really good. Yeah. I mean, this, if this was... I would be fine telling someone that I do a podcast on Deep Space Nine, go watch a first episode of season two. Like if they didn't have to deal with the plot issues, this would be a great sort of jumping mm-hmm. off point for a good show. This is the show, a baseline that you could say, yeah, this is a baseline you can work a good show off of. So,
1: and I actually felt like when we move along in the episode, that once she gets the round, the, the, is it the runabout or roundabout? I can never, the runabout. Runabout. I've called yeah. it both as well, but once she gets it, they go to Cardassia 4, mm-hmm. and yeah, some Bajorans are being held there against their will. Oops, it's right. like, and
0: against the accords of the
2: the the peace the treaty, right, right. The, yeah, the Bajoran peace accords and everything. There,
1: the yeah. action, the action, they're, the way it was filmed was kind of serviceable, mm-hmm. like more than had been done with some of the stuff that we saw, like in the Next Generation. Yeah. I feel like they're moving. It looks more contemporary, I guess, than...
2: Star Trek-y. Yeah, well, they say, okay, we're going to take a runabout. They, I don't know if they had this last season. They show footage of them taking and leaving the dock and flying out to go to Cardassia 4, yeah. whereas before, they'd be like, Odo, take a runabout, and then it's like, all right, I'm on the other planet. Yeah. I actually
0: looked to see if, there was, if I could get some sort of sense of an operating budget, season one to season two, and I couldn't find anything, but clearly it seems that they're baseline budget is just better yeah and that may be because they've already built sets and all of that stuff and all that sort of initial startup costs have already been absorbed for the season two budget but i mean it just looks like i mean that whole quarry scene
2: they even got to pay some uh
0: they had some props some big props out there oh, in the labor yeah. camp
2: you got your classic star trek rock exterior shot but you know it works <laughs> fine for a labor yes. camp.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't know how much a labor – does a labor camp make sense in a world where there's all this mechanized sort of – I don't know. It just seems like even for Cardassians it would be quicker just to have like some sort of space machine go out there and yeah, it, grind up the rocks.
2: Yeah, I mean I when one of my viewings here, I had, I had some definite questions about post-scarcity economy of all these different <laughs> – you know, civilizations. It's like, wait a minute. But, you know, what? I, I don't remember yes. well enough. It's just a little bit confusing other than that Cardassians are dicks and they basically run gulags, which is what this is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they want to torture the people. I get you want to torture people. I get that.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah, you understand. What's weird about this particular labor camp is that it was for 12 people. <laughs> yeah, We've got exactly. a whole operation for 12 people. And they're not even like the I mean, we have one folk hero here and I can understand wanting to keep him under your thumb. Yeah. Because that's what you do when you're an evil regime. Uh-huh but there, what about the 11 just random yeah. schmoes that you've, that you've got there?
0: And also, and I assume maybe there's Cardassians at the labor, criminal Cardassians at the labor camp too.
1: I No, I think it was just a 12-person labor camp of Bajorans.
0: But you have like 14, there was 12 Bajorans, but you had like 14 Cardassians. Like, how do
2: you afford to keep uh, this <laughs> thing operating? That's
1: what I mean. It was, yeah, that's like, what was absurd, is we're, we're going to have a labor camp for 12 people.
2: Yes. Yeah, like I say, they, it's not really about the labor of them putting rocks into woven baskets yeah their. but that's
0: 14 paychecks and pensions that have to go out to kardassian soldiers it's, it's 14
2: people it's 12 people who knew that Lee alice was there so you either got to kill them which you don't want that getting out that that's what you're doing to prisoners that's true or you got to keep them there so they don't go and start throwing earrings around and getting the bajores to come pick them up
0: if you didn't if you
2: had 12 prisoners that could
0: instigate a war you don't want to fight, which Cardassians clearly don't want to fight it.
2: It'd be easier. It'd be better to kill these people well, than to have hey, someone find may, it. Maybe Gold Dukat, when he's like, I'm so sorry, was being honest that there is something that slipped through the cracks, and they're like, oh, my God, we don't want a war. It's, well, it's over.
1: And that's the thing is that that's never clear. That's the interesting thing about it. They don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree that that's interesting. I agree that, like, there's a there's a, all this gray area that are or, or just unknowns that you don't really know. But one thing about the scene at the beginning, Kira sneaks into the camp. She gets through the energy wall. Oh, but yeah, yeah. By dressing in a way that's implied that she's a prostitute. Right.
2: And what, is, what does O'Brien say to her? Oh. And I
0: guess Bajoran prostitutes are mouthy. Bajoran prostitutes are mouthy and tough. I guess that's a thing. Right. And she was pretending like she was a prostitute. And they said that she was, like, I guess dressed like a prostitute. But to me, she was kind of just dressed like Kira. Yeah. She, like, there was no, like,
2: more to her. Well, the whole thing, like, you know, if you you were at a slave camp you're gonna have because o'brien says to her like oh i don't know that any cardassian would be able to resist you okay so that's weird because (laughs) that's weird cardassians are pretty ugly and do they not find cardassian women attractive because she does not look like a cardassian but it almost sets up like there's a bajoran idea of bajoran (laughs) Is also kind of uh, uncomfortable, but like Bajoran comfort women or something, you know, like Japanese did with the Koreans. Exactly, like a Joy Division. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I think that there was like Bajoran Joy Divisions, like you know, like what they had in in Germany and stuff. Yeah, that's some dark stuff that they
2: don't want to unpack too much, but some
0: like night porter shit was going on there.
2: Yeah, I guess there's a there's a, a stereotype among Cardassians about hot Bajoran women, apparently, that she plays into.
1: Okay. <laughs> James made a good point, though, about what she was wearing and she looked like she was going to go build a kiln. That's what she looked like. She was wearing her kiln building outfit. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's true. Yes. Right.
0: She looked like Kira. She didn't look like she was particular. She didn't put on a different co- a differentiating right.
2: costume. Well, then, then she goes to show the guy the goods and she had buttons, two buttons of her shirt. <laughs> like, oh, this, yes. you know, sexy outfit, which is just like work clothes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that I didn't even know had two buttons to undo. And she does that and then she, you know, beats the guy up.
0: Yes. I get where they were going. I would have, that had execution scenes that had to be rethought, I think. I, <laughs> <laughs> But that was fine. It was a minor point.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was fine. So we
0: finally meet Lee and Alice. We finally meet Lee and Alice. So we finally have like a pretty big time actor with Richard Bamer He was the lead in West Side Story. He was also great in Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah. He was uh, one of the main sort of susp- suspicious characters in Twin Peaks. So I, I really like this actor. Not as much as I Mm -hmm. like Franklin Jell, but I really love this actor. Sure, sure. So uh, that was fun to see him working. I guess this was right after Twin Peaks probably fizzled.
1: Not that long, yeah. You know,
0: he's leading Alice, so he's the main character of this story
1: arc. Yeah, they get him back to Deep Space Nine, and he's a big hero. And Kira... Almost starts a war with Cardassia, Finds out that the Kardashians <laughs> sure, don't want to go to war, and they apologize for having a twelve-person labor camp.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, immediately, Gul apologizing, like as soon as they right. get and, back, so. and,
1: and Cisco looks like the cat who ate the canary. He's pretty pleased <laughs> that everything worked out. You know, he got his roundabout back. No <laughs> interstellar like, political incident, and they've got their they've got their hero back. Yeah. Can
2: we go back to speaking of the runabout and they put O'Brien in the runabout and Kira gives O'Brien like a stern talking to like, we either succeed or we don't come back at all. (laughs) Cause O'Brien has been in war. So he's a guy that Cisco feels okay sending to go into this very risky mission. And then O'Brien without batting an eye says, okay, I'm okay. We might die if we don't succeed in this mission. No mention of the family, the wife and kid that he has back. That didn't ring a little false to me,
1: too. Like, why?
2: Like, oh, wait, no, I don't care if this goes south or not. I still have to come back to my kid who's, like, three years old. I
0: gotta say, through this whole show, and this is maybe the first
2: episode, but they do this a lot in this series,
0: where O'Brien, for some reason... He is, he was the transporter guy on Next Generation. He is the total ship engineer on this show. But for some reason, somewhere in his past, there's like a Black Ops Wetworks file that makes him up <laughs> for any option where he has to go do dirty work yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like, and I don't understand, like.
1: They never, they never fully <laughs> explain or, you know, I guess that O'Brien was in the shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh.
2: He was in the ship. He was an unlisted guy. He wasn't an officer that got to fly above the fray. Yeah, the back. I get
0: yeah. it, but when did the Federation get in the shit? Like, when have they ever had, like, a land exactly. war? Exactly.
2: When did they... They had some problems with the Cardassians, because that's the shit that O'Brien had to be in, was with Cardassians yeah. particularly, and he knows how they treat their yeah, prisoners. Yeah, because he
1: said, I, I saw what the Cardassians do to their prisoners. And
2: even, even going back into... I, I think even going back to Next Generation, when you go back to the first, uh michelle forbes showing up as uh, Ensign, instant he has a scene i feel like i maybe i'm misremembering where he talks about how he was in the war in cardassia or something oh yeah i might be wrong that it was in that episode but i feel like they even set up maybe when they knew he they were going to move him to ds9 they threw something in about
0: that Oh really? like he was in the shit (laughs) yeah well it's definitely in his backstory that he's got all this stuff but it's like whenever they need they call him in to like kill people it's a tough mission we right. need, we're gonna need one of our toughest guys let's send the guy that worked on the transporter
2: right well he was an enlisted guy and you know they trained you when you go into the army, they train you in a detect skill, right? So maybe that's where he learned his stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I know, but yeah,
2: that's definitely.
0: where <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. So I mean, he's he's a tough cat. I mean, and I like that, and I think it's to make him more useful because Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Next Generation was constantly moving, so the engine was always an issue, and so Geordi always had something to do. Scotty always had something to do. Oh, well, you have this fixed station right. unless something breaks and he's got to like he becomes the super. He is the super of, is, you yes, know, of Deep
1: Space Nine. He's got a key ring with like 2,000 keys on it.
0: <laughs> and it's hard to fit the super into all of your stories yeah. about
1: complicated right.
0: political situations. So they have to find ways to give him new things. So, so make
1: your super a secret badass is what you're saying. So. Yes. 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 Here's the thing. What if this? What if he has seen some shit? And he is a total badass. And as a reward, he was given the easiest, cushiest job on the flagship Federation flagship. And that's why he was just pushing buttons in a transporter room. That's like he was supposed to be on Easy Street from for the rest of his right. life. That's
2: just that's his dream job. It's like oh right. I've, after what I've seen, just to push transporter buttons all day it sounds. So
0: he's like a Hawkeye he's in the Avengers like character. He did so much that like he got this cushy life for himself set up basically by the Federation to pay it as like to as like an honorarium for all of the. All of the being in the shit that he was in. Right. <laughs> like,
1: Isn't that more interesting than whatever I like that narrative, you just. know, set dressing he was when we first saw him. Sure.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. So there you go. This is also the first time in this episode that we
2: see Bashir. 30 minutes
0: in. <laughs> right. Yes.
2: Oh yeah. When they bring which yeah. is fine.
0: <laughs> and he yeah. literally he literally could have been anybody.
1: Right.
2: Right.
0: He has a scene yeah.
2: and a half. They show him he gets to uh shine a light on the brand that Court got. That's his first scene, right?
1: Now he checks out mm. the prisoner. He checks out the prisoner. Yeah, like
2: the right? Mm-hmm. Right. Is that before or after C- court gets branded? That's
0: before because Lee Nallis was at the branding. That's what made him want to uh, jump ship.
2: Uh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, we got
0: terrorists and Bajor? Fuck that. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. going to the
2: Gama Quadrant. And the, open, the circle sign is the same cock and balls I saw in the storyteller. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're seeing cock and bolts everywhere, man. Yeah, I
2: don't know what that says about me, but uh oh who else? <laughs> Just can't get it out of my head.
0: And I'm at this point I, it occurred to me in the show, after watching the scene with Goldicott and everything, that um I, I'm 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 gonna call it. Kira is fixed. All of her acting problems, all of that stuff, is fixed.
2: Yeah, she's pretty good. Yeah, she's stuff. great.
0: Her base level is just fine, so I'm leaving it alone. She, I mean, I'm not only that. I mean, it's fixed. It's over. She's, she's.
2: Yeah, yeah. She's uh, her like uh, when Quark is like, oh, am I? What do I still look okay? Her
1: little backhanded, you're handsome as ever, Quark or whatever. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that was
2: a good delivery. So yeah, I
1: got no problem with her right now. Yeah, and, you know, no. and they've really fixed, they fixed O'Brien too because here he's resourceful and brave, mm-hmm. which is pretty much that's. Some characterization that you that we didn't have from him from before, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he had thought about how to fix the runabout so it wouldn't be detected. And he volunteered mm-hmm. for this mission that he's got no skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Did he volunteer or did
2: Cisco say, hey,
1: you go? But he, he's well, happy think, enough well, to go. I don't go, think I he volunteered, but I think he, he did it willingly. I mean, he, he had that little line.
0: He made himself to know that he was open for anything. Yeah, yeah. Right,
1: yeah. So, I mean, he's brave and he's resourceful. I mean, if we could have seen some of that in, in season one, it would have been a little bit easier to, to bear with. Yeah. I like the O'Brien I have in my brain more than I saw the than in season one, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I want to argue that he's there in season one, but then he's not. You go to like the storyteller and he's just like, wow, I don't want to do this, you know? Yeah. Or, or <laughs> yeah. babble. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody's bad in babble. Yeah.
0: And I, I, I mean, there is, in Cole Meany's defense, there's only so much that an actor can bring to a bad story. Sure. Right. And I think that season one was suffering from that. And we saw Avery Brooks struggle mightily under some of these stories. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I, I think none of us are willing to, like, sort of chafe his chops. Yeah, I know, maybe. But, like, I, you know,
1: <laughs> he's good, man. I don't understand your deal. You know, he, here we are. The fir- we're in the first episode of season two, and we still don't know if the doctor is really any good at his job. <laughs> no. You know, we just know. know that he's... We just know that he's adequate. He's nothing special, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. He can rub the whatever pin, the laser pin over your injuries just (laughs) as well as any other buddy, anybody else can.
2: Actually, when his first appearance, I remember now on this episode... He's outstaged by the amazing nineties hairdo of his aide. Oh yeah. <laughs> she's got such a like little, I don't know, bun or whatever she's done with her hair. It's like quintessential nineties hairstyle. Clearly
0: they tell all the majorans to do their hair before they arrive on set. <laughs> yeah. Just do your own hair and arrive on set and we'll put your nose on. That's <laughs> right. clearly what they tell them because like there was some <laughs> kink, there was some kinked out activator perps all over the show. <laughs> and, like when Lee Nowitz looks out over the whole set of Bajorans and uh, it looks so early 90s out there. Yeah. Like they should have just been in like flannels. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> right. So like, yeah, it was uh, it was it was funny. It was funny to me. So
1: it turns out that Bajor for Bajorans isn't all it's cracked up to be. And neither is our hero. Yeah. He confesses to Cisco that he's that he shot a naked gull
2: which sets up
1: another big theme that they use. He basically is a legend among his people, but it's just by accident and that he really wants nothing to do with it. Yeah.
0: And if that's, if right. I remember correct, that's something, this script was written by Iris Stephen Bear, who uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working my, my, myself up into a lather to hate. Um, that's basically <laughs> something that they just stole from a man who shot Liberty Valance. Right. Yes, isn't that the story from Man of Liber- Man Who Shot Liberty Valance? I think I think you're right. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that it's, it's just it's... a mistake and that the legend is a big yeah. So, but I mean, it's great here. I love it here, and you know, I'll, I'll bash Ira Stephen Bear on another episode. This one's good,
2: and um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, we. Uh, that I think he tries to sneak off and run away from the from Bejor, basically, in uh, a reptilian. <laughs>
0: well, I calls think that the... you know that there's something wrong with him the whole
2: time.
1: That yeah. he's
0: not acting like I mean, the hero that well, he was sort of. Well, yeah, he's telegraphing
1: that the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and so, right. like, you know, he's
0: acting like a weirdo, like, in, like, in you, the any number of ways it could have went. But it was basically just that he's, he, he's not interested in this. He's had
2: to, you know, he just wants. Right. I mean, he's a good person. Yeah. He's like, I didn't, you know, like, I, I stumbled into this. <laughs> I'm not equipped to deal with it. I don't, and and you know what? I let them talk about how great I was for years. The war's over now. Just let me go, please. Yeah. And so he tries to run away, and they're like, "You're not done yet." Mm-hmm. It's you know.
0: And so Cisco talks him into uh, taking uh, taking the big action and 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 actually helping the people. Um, one of the things I want to point out is like, when has that ever worked? Like I'm trying to think. Like I don't like I, I. get that that's a thing. Is someone can be a symbol. That seems like something in stories that exist. But I know that Lincoln was like a symbol of reconciliation after uh, the Civil War. But Lincoln was dead. So like I don't like I, I'm trying to think of like a living example to where you know. But he's inevitably going to get, and he is. I mean, I assume by the next two episodes he gets drugged into the shit. But that, any sort of symbol of a of 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 a people like that is inevitably going to get. Drawn into politi- politics that are above their control and get just ruined.
1: Right. You know, yeah. so, even, I, even George Washington was, I think that's, you know, George Washington's was, a symbol. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was appalled by the partisanship that was, you know, developing yeah. you know, might, in the country. Yeah.
0: That's a good thing. He might have been the best thing because he was a war hero. And then 10 years later, they asked him to be president. So I 10 years after the war, they asked him to be president. And so he was sort of a, but I, I don't. Th- I mean, I think that he he wasn't as innocent. I mean, yeah, yeah, maybe he was. Maybe George Washington is the best example
2: that they're looking for him. Well, I think the, the like I like I said over a few times already. This is setting up themes that almost have already been established in the series, and it's not even not. I think it's even less a political illusion. It it is that in this instance, but then later on, I won't go into too much spoilers. They do the same thing with the Klingon religion. Yeah, where this big legend is maybe uh, not what you thought it was, but it's a symbol to the, people. The sword of Kalis.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, Kalis. <laughs> I won't go mm-hmm. into any bit more spoilers about that, but I deal with these kind of things before. And and the, to mirror the first episode of the first season, it's the same thing with Cisco, where he's the emissary. He gets pulled into this, uh, con, you know, issues with the prophets in the wormhole and he doesn't want anything of it he doesn't want to be a religious figure but kai alpaca alpaca or whatever is you know kind of like sorry this is like the hand you're dealt and you have to make mm-hmm. something of it and it's the same thing kind of with what they do with Kalis, you know or yeah Neel- yeah maybe that's a thing
0: that Maybe, and I'm trying to think that maybe this this might actually almost be a generational issue. I mean, like, Iris Stephen Bear and the people who were running the show are of that sort of generation of people who still sort of looked for icons. Like, you know, they grew up in the era of John Kennedy and and people like that. Where, where and we don't, s- I mean, you could say Obama was like this sort of scion, but that was for like eight months. I mean, you could say Obama was like this sort of. Scion, but that was for, like, eight months. Like, after that, he became a politician to us. And so, I think like, like, we're just more cynical. And so, I think, like, I think Cisco's wrong in trying to say, let me prop up this empty symbol to try and help these people. I think it's better just to, like, disabuse these people of any of this bullshit and just make them go about the hard, compromising business of fixing their fucking planet. (laughs)
2: Like... See, that's that's an honest act... Interestingly, that's like the humanist Star Trek classic perspective of these people need to put aside their religion that's kind of, you know, humbling. But then this kind of takes a different tack and says, you know what? People need their symbols. uh, They need their legends and they need these things to believe in. Even if it's not the exact truth and fact of the history of how things happened, people need this thing to believe in. And Because you're not going to disabuse these Bajorans of their, you know, thoughts about the prophets and yeah. everything.
0: But there's, like, two works where you get, like, I was trying to think of, like, I, I know that uh, Grapes of Wrath ends like this. And, uh, oddly enough, a, a weird comparison, uh, The Dark Knight ends like this, where the people yeah. need a symbol. They need, you know, I'll be there whenever someone is struggling. I'll be there whenever there's a thing against the night. I'll be there. And I'm like, no, these people just need to, like, work hard. Like, and I'm not saying, that, like... Like I, not like a bootstraps thing, but like they just need to like confront these problems. Like they don't need a symbol. Right. They need like they do. They need, yeah, you're right. But they need can someone they... to counter. Because I mean, clearly they're setting up the Frank Langella character, we, we haven't talked about it yet. Clearly setting up the Frank Langella character to be like like a duplicitous motherfucker. And yeah, right, and you don't hire Frank Langella unless you're looking for a duplicitous motherfucker. The guy
1: played Skeletor for Christ
0: Skeletor sake. and <laughs> Richard Nixon. So, like... Right. <laughs> um, so you, you know, like. You can't hire. So you, you need. They need. They don't need John Kennedy. They need the. the you know, uh, another Frank Langella, like to combat him. And I. I think that that's probably a. That might be my worldview. But it seems like it's probably a generational thing where we are more interested in in sort of fixing the problems instead of looking towards symbols and, yeah, and ideal idealization.
2: My, my, yeah, my argument is that you can't make everybody. You can't fix a whole planet of people, you got to use their things, you know, their need for That's symbols true. and find a symbol that can actually do what you need it to do. Yeah. And, and I mean, it helps it. Uh, yeah. the this is actually a good guy and not like a Trump or something.
0: Yeah. And I can't, I, this is uh, where, uh, I, you know, we, I feel like with, uh, Bajorans, we're dealing uh, with Jewish issues. Um, and I can't remember the sort of main symbol of, uh, Israeli Zionism. Um, the, the founding guy. Yeah, I can't really remember. My, uh... Yeah, I, 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 I know it and I know it's a per- person and I can't remember. I know that he's used like that uh, to Israelis as like a symbol of a man who was a, you know, who was an ideal man mm-hmm. who, who led a thing. I know that in France after, in rebuilding after World War II, Charles de Gaulle worked that way. Right. Um. I guess so. I just, you know, uh, Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um I mean that's why it hurts when we hear, you know, that Martin Luther King was political and and compromised and sinful in ways and stuff like that 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 sort of chisels at his symbol. We don't think of right. him as a political, I mean he was a religious leader, but he was also a political leader. And and that's I th- totally, yeah. yeah, and I think that if we look at him as, you know, a person who was engaging people on based on politics and issues, we don't need him to be perfect, you know. Right. But if he's a symbol of, of the best that you know we could be and that racial harmony and then I have a dream and if he's a symbol of all that then he has to be perfect or it all falls apart. So, right. So, so I guess I'm saying that I disagree with it in the story, but like I think that it's interesting that the story is going there. I don't think it's yeah. like I think it's I'm compelled by it. Um, yeah,
2: and I don't know. Are we perhaps better now? Better? I mean, that's your argument. It's a generational thing that we're better. Now prepared to know that our heroes and legends aren't perfect Mm -hmm. than we were actually even when, you know, uh, well, I'm not. Yeah. Well, but I mean, like, okay but like,
0: let's say that, like, you know, FDR was having tons of affairs all of the time openly in front of the press and the press wouldn't report on it because that would hurt the nation. And there's no way that if Obama was doing that right now, that the press wouldn't report on it because reporting on it would hurt the nation. They would view that he needs to answer for his own, cor- you know, for his own iniquity. <laughs> yeah, like, and we're grown no, up we'll, so we we'll can handle
2: stories it. even though we're pretty sure <laughs> These, five people didn't want to sleep with Ted Cruz. <laughs> Ted Cruz, Cruz right. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, you know, that I think it was a different time where, pe- you know, generationally people, or earlier generations, younger generations than us, or older generations than us, Um Put stop more stock in that just generally in culture, uh, mm-hmm. and than we do. And I, and it seems like the Bajorans are there, so I'm fine with that. Yeah, is that because we're
2: a less religious culture? Uh, I don't know. That that's I, well. I that's think probably that maybe, maybe it's, it's <laughs> probably
0: that we're a less spiritual culture. Maybe, maybe not a. Like, maybe not when it comes to actual religion. When it actually comes to like you know, but just that I don't think we put.
1: Large chunks of faith in things, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's because it's been chipped away at by <laughs> yeah. like we've seen what happens when you put large chunks of faith in into you know, mm-hmm. people in power. I mean we don't have any illusions about that as a, as a generational Yeah. So I
2: mean, I don't anybody... know. how do you think people would deal if it came out that like Obama was
1: having all these affairs?
0: Um, well we did th- that with Clinton we did I mean, that
1: we did it we went through that when Clinton yeah,
0: but I even mean...
1: I don't know I well I felt yeah. like we
0: hated Clinton for six months, but and then, Clinton then we got was over... less
2: aspirational than Obama is even, even <sighs> uh, though he was to an extent with his no dad no...
0: yeah kid. I mean I, th- I, I feel like Obama was an aspirational figure. In two thousand and eight, and I feel like he'll be an aspirational figure probably for the rest of his life. But I think he's governed as a president in a pretty hard techs sort of uh, war of attrition kind of brutal politician. And I think that's why yeah. a lot of us feel betrayed by it because no one likes to see the sausage made and he's right. Mm-hmm. But he's had a presidency of sausage making. So like, but I think that that was the cards <laughs> that were dealt with him. That was the only way he was going to move the ball forward. And sure, and, sure. and I think that I'm I, maybe I'm maybe it's me. Maybe I'm cynical enough that I can see that and it doesn't bother me. I'm like, yeah, be hmm. aspirational when it works for, when it works for you and then uh and then, you know, be be war of attrition, you know, mealy, you know, be all of that stuff. Like, for instance, like, when Obama says that, uh, you know, in 2008, 2009, Obama said that he believed that marriage belonged between a man and a woman. He said it many times, and every time I heard it, I didn't believe he meant it. <laughs> and and I was, sure. fi- and I was fine well, with it. We're
2: that. getting uh, real heavy with the Star Trek podcast, aren't we? <laughs> and I, and I
0: and, well, I'm just saying that, like, and I, I felt it, and I meant it. Uh, he, he didn't mean it, and I... I was fine with that because that wasn't yeah. what – that wouldn't have helped him. And then when it – Where are right
2: wing listeners at? We <laughs> want to hear
0: from you. Tell us about why Bejar should be great again. But I'm just saying that that was a political tact. I guess that I'm trying to – to bring it back into this episode. <laughs> that that was a political decision that he was making and I was cynically fine with it. And so – and I feel like this show is kind of cynical but then sometimes it deals with uh, – you know like there's a certain type of person that believes in symbols and believes in sort of institutions and people and you know that would view that as a lie <laughs> and that even if they're pro they wanted him to be for marriage equality him lying about it politically sort of i don't know and i feel like that that's sort of that two schools of thought of how to deal with that uh, sort of that sort of politics And I think that the good thing about this show is that it's dealing with this kind of stuff. Obviously, Cardassia is being complicit in their, you know, they wanted to torture Bajorans. And then when they got caught, they wanted to disavow that. And how that they, you know, it was politically advantageous to say, oh, no, you were perfectly fine to invade one of our planets and steal people and kill Cardassians. We are totally fine with it. Instead of starting a war. So, I mean, I, I think... You know that that kind of political calculation is a part of the show, and I mean it's, it's the part that's most intriguing to me. That and Franklin Langella
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I never well, noticed how Frank much Langella he looks like Christopher Lee to upon me. that. and whenever he has that conversation with Kira, he mm-hmm. says, um, "You know, as you know, your superior or whatever, I will end your military career if you ever do that again. As a private citizen, I want to thank you for bringing yeah. him back." That what you were talking about, that duality with what's what you could say politically and what you could say when it's just two people being people, Mm -hmm. you know, that was that's there in that episode.
0: Oh, yeah. And like that scene and that how, like, even the duplicitousness of promoting her as a way of firing her. (laughs) Okay, well, now we're getting into the end. do,
2: Do they promote her or did they just they didn't did the, I don't think they promoted her? They just said she's no longer needed. She oh, go I, back to Bajor. I
0: let the thing click to the next episode, uh, so that's the next scene. Uh, but his I'm, uh, okay. so I'm, I, that's my confusion. The first scene of the next episode says that it was uh it was he he views that he was promoting her. He can't be mad. He, sure. Cisco can't be mad for promoting her. But yeah, that she's being reassigned and right. uh as a way of
2: Lee Nellis is the Navark now. Yeah, whatever that means, which is a word they made up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's you know, right. Even though when they yeah. first say it, they're like, "Oh, congratulations! It, we just made that up." Well, How do you know what that means? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was a made-up
0: word to them. Like it's not just taken out.
2: <laughs> it must mean something in Bajoran, like really great dude. Yeah, it's uh, it's translated from the old Bajoran. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, so
1: so, we- I'm sorry. No, oh, I'm just heading to the end of this, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got our hero. He doesn't want to be a hero. They make up a, a new term for him. They give him a position in the, what is it, provisional government. Yeah. And yeah. the episode ends with Frank Langella bringing him back on DS9 and making him the first officer on DS9 and <laughs> getting rid of Kira, right? Yeah. All right. And we're left with a yeah. we're we're left with a
0: cliffhanger. Yeah, which uh, it seems yeah. like at this point I like that it was uh and I think they they tried to deal with it but it's that Avery Brooks uh all of your all of your slick maneuvering really fucked you up on this cuz now you're left with this jackass. <laughs> like yeah, mm. And it was I mean it's really clever. You put him on DS9 where he can't be on Baj- Bajor. I mean, I mean I, I assume that politically that's the weeds. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah like, yeah. oh,
2: he's a symbol, but now we don't have to worry about yeah, him. We can just use space. him as a symbol for what we want because mm-hmm. he's not really actually doing right. anything, and nobody really has to see him. They just know he's there.
1: Yeah. yeah. meanwhile, you've got a first officer who's not comfortable unless he's shitting in a hole because that's all he's a bit used to, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> he's still he, – got a first officer who's right, of not shit. comfortable <laughs> with indoor plumbing. Yes, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, uh, yeah,
2: that's where they leave this episode. Well, this yeah. is,
1: this was a pretty tight episode, guys. So what do you think you guys would change? Not much here. Well, that's huh? what I was going
2: to say. Yeah, like this is the first two-parter, and it's the DS9 that we remember of these grand arcs. Like mm-hmm. Next Generation has had these two be continued, but like, oh, this is really second season, starting out good, setting up like what we want from a DS9 it's to be continued but this pretty it sits by itself pretty well except for that one hook at the end which is yeah. a great way to keep you coming back for the next week yeah you know, I are like I, I not missing out i would quibble about like Like, if this was a complete
0: episode, I would say, like, I don't understand why they didn't do something more with the ROM 6 to you, 6 to me, 1 to you scene with Quark. Oh, yeah. But, like, I don't know. Maybe that's a long, you know, maybe they're going to go back to that over the next three episodes, two episodes. So I don't know.
2: So, like, I'm going to guess they don't. I don't know. But it'd be interesting (laughs) if they do. I just feel like that's, like, this is their first episode back. We're setting up the relationships the rom again. This is, is just a That may be what color. it is,
0: and that, and then, I, and with that, I'm fine. So, like, no, I mean, I'm I'm really bottom barreling here. Um, yeah, everybody was fine. The storyline uh, is really, really
1: intriguing. This is a. Uh, There's is, only one thing that didn't ring true that I would have changed. It's um, at the beginning, whenever Kira brings the earring to Cisco and then describes the fact, you know, had uh, Dax run a bunch of tests. He tell she tells cisco that dax ran a bunch of tests on the earring mm-hmm. and then the next scene cisco beats around the bush about and then dax is like yeah i know and he's like how do you know i just i wrote kira, that down kira just told you how she, <laughs> she knew she ran a bunch of tests on a earring you know mm-hmm. she's everybody knows that kira Kira's so amped up about all this she's gonna give everybody who helps her out with finding out if it's authentic or not there, she's mm-hmm. going to give everybody like this, the story, you know what I mean? Yeah. I
2: don't know. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know. No, is, I agree. It's, I agree. it's a small thing, but yeah, that's yeah. worth noting. And I would have changed the one thing I like the O'Brien, not really mentioning his wife or child. Right. And being okay with not coming back seems a little like just throw in a line or two it's like, something and like i know you have your kid are you up to this like hey look i'll be all right that's all you needed that's yeah it. You know? yeah
0: and i mean yeah. that's the thing it's a it's a i mean a military a military engineer is not the same as a wet works guy like i believe that like the american sniper whatever that guy's name is you know he's got a wife and kids but when he went into the shit he knew he's he could not come back but i don't think the guys who work on the plane engines feel that way when they do a tour. You always know that, yeah, that in general that, that, you can get great. Point. <laughs> yeah, I mean you feel like in general you could die cuz you're in you're adjacent to a war zone, but generally you feel more insulated and in that your life isn't on the line on a day-to-day basis. And that is a different yeah. mindset and that is a different soldier. So I think But you
2: know what as a as a Starfleet guy, like Kira might be fucked if she got caught, but like they'd probably be pretty wary to kill a Starfleet guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I think
0: that what she was saying was that if she was going
2: balls to the wall, like anything right, to get exactly. him free, so so she was. It would be a shitty thing for him to say, yeah, you're, you're willing to die to come back. Yeah. but hey, they're they're gonna take me as a prisoner, yeah. so I'm yeah, yeah, flying free, baby. Yeah, that, that he goes, Yeah, and that's true. Um, <laughs> She's not gonna do that.
0: In my research for this episode, I read I read that Frank uh, not only did Frank Langella have sex with both Whoopi Goldberg and Barbara Walters, so he slipped with two uh, cast members of The View, but. <laughs> <laughs> he has slept this is the important <laughs> he has slept yeah, you windy. put this on <laughs> there he slept with rita hayworth who was 40 years his senior brooke astor Whoa. who was like a thousand years old he had phone sex but with- he was like a cougar bait for like a long time in hollywood and he wrote like his biography where he wrote all this stuff.
2: So uh, May West, how about I don't, her? I think she may have been dead by the time he was out. Who else? Like, oh, Rita Hayworth, which after yeah, she wouldn't go after that. So he, his you know, early
0: career they, was a lot of sleeping with really old ladies.
2: Uh, okay, <laughs> that's Mae West would hear he slept with Rita Hayworth and demand that he sleep with her. Probably. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's true. <laughs> and he got an Oscar nomination like f- what four years ago, five years ago. So like he's a late. Bloomer, as far as success goes, so I mean, this is a Oscar nominee, not a winner, but I mean, yeah. yeah, no, he he's had a great career. I mean, I, I just I like this guy a lot. So
2: sure. he was great as Skeletor in yeah. <laughs> Masters of the
0: Universe. Watch it, man.
2: <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, I'll get right on that. <laughs> uh, no, I think we're good. Uh, we got anything else? We'll have more next week. The same
0: story. <laughs> all
2: right. <laughs> all right, then that wraps it up. Follow us and like us and do all the other shit, yes. you know. You know what to do. And
0: if you like us, uh <laughs> please uh review us on uh iTunes. It really helps us out. Well.
2: Yeah, it does. Like, yeah. <laughs> I would appreciate it. Yes. <laughs>
1: all right. Please follow us on Twitter at acquisition Pod. And on Tumblr at the Rules of Acquisition Podcast. Review and follow us on iTunes. Send us an email at the Rules of Acquisition. Please follow us, it means the world. We will love you forever. We love you. I take back everything I've said before. That wasn't me. You can hear the difference, right? not long for this world, none of us is long for this world, love each other.